concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. All the speculation about when Jesus is returning, I mean, we can, we can ask these questions and so forth, but even Jesus said, when is not the point. The thought of eschatology, now I, I wanted to explain that word for some of you, eschatology, uh, eschatos uh, means last days. Ology, of course, means the study of. So the study of last days. Uh, are we in the last days? Yes, we're in the last days. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years now. That's why the, the people of the New Testament were always expecting Christ to come in their lifetime. So uh, the point of the last days is not knowing when Christ is going to return, but uh, instead it, it's knowing uh, how we should live in light of Jesus returning. How should we as believers live our lives? And so Jesus said, you know, I mean, if Jesus says, I don't know, what makes us think we're going to find out? What makes us think that we're going to know? The point is to be prepared. And the book of Revelation, uh, you will find a pattern that takes place in the book of Revelation, and it says this uh, multiple times. After all this calamity happens among mankind, uh, and, uh, that, you know, food's hard to get, and all these terrible things, a third of mankind is destroyed, and a third of the earth is destroyed, and here's what they say and they would not repent and they would not repent and they would not repent that gives us an explanation as to why are these things happening repent and so only the father knows now he uses a term here the day of the lord and that is a term that is also used in the Old Testament, and they are the same, one and the same. The day of the Lord. Uh, probably one of the uh, best texts that I could think of uh, to help explain what the day of the Lord is, uh, in, in, in having an understanding of that, is Amos chapter 5. In Amos chapter 5, verse 18, uh, Amos the prophet writes he says woe to you who desire the day of the lord why would you have the day of the lord it is darkness it is not light as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him that would be a bad day wasn't it you know i mean that that, that would be a bad day it's kind of like, whoo, I got away from that lion, and whoop, here comes a bear claw, you know. That's a bad day. Or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? Now, let me explain from context of Amos. Amos is prophesying to Israel. You have a divided kingdom at the time. You have 
uh, and he's prophesying to Israel, who are soon going to be going into captivity. And he's prophesying about that. And the people of Israel think they're fine because they're the people of God, but they are not doing the things that God has commanded them to do. And he's telling them, you're looking forward to the day of the Lord, but it's going to be darkness for you because you are disobedient and you are rebellious against the one true God. And so Amos is saying, that's going to be a dark day for you. Unless you repent. So uh, the day of the Lord has two sides of it. One, it's a day of darkness. Okay? For those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, for those who do not trust Him, for those who have not repented of their sin and given their hearts, their lives to Jesus to pursue holiness... It's going to be darkness for those who have not done that. But for the children of God, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be glorious, the day of the Lord is. He talked about that last week. Okay, uh, When they were asking the question uh, about the coming of the Lord and for those who had fallen asleep, and, and Paul reassured them and gave them reassurance uh, that... Uh, uh, that we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord uh, himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. That's what the day of the Lord is for those who believe, okay? That's going to be a day of light. That's going to be a day of hope. That's going to be a day of yes, you know. We've been waiting for this. That's what this day is for believers. But it's a dark day for those who do not know, who do not follow, who do not obey the Lord our God. So that's just kind of to help us to grasp hold of this phrase this day of the Lord Peter talks about the day of the Lord and this kind of helps us to see both that dark and light as Peter explains in 2nd Peter chapter 3 uh, he lays out all these things beginning in verse 8. I'm going to just read through that because he's laying out the, uh, the day of the Lord that it's going to come and, and, and uh, uh, this day of the Lord, when it comes, uh, are we going to be ready for it? Are we prepared? Verse 8, 2 Peter chapter 3. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord... One day is a, as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. He's using the language of Paul there. Pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. 
That sounds like darkness, doesn't it? Sounds like judgment, doesn't it? Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, listen to what he says. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to this, to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's good. That's good. I mean, there'll be no sin in that world. But what he's done, he's, he's lined up. There's going to be this. There's going to be destruction for those who do not believe. And there's going to be newness and refreshing for those who do. So the point is not in eschatology, uh, when is it going to happen? It's the point in eschatology is be ready. Be anticipating. Be hopeful. Look forward to the coming of the Lord. Are you looking forward to that? I am. I am anticipating it. I am just, yes, Lord, any time come. But while we wait, we don't wait sitting back. We wait in a particular way. He asked the question, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? That's how we should live our life. And that's what Paul's saying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So uh, back over there to 1 Thessalonians, uh, he has laid out uh, uh, this, this thinking about it's not about when. You don't need somebody to tell you about when. We need to talk about how we should live now. So uh, looking, uh, beginning in verse 4, we notice that he says uh, these things. He says, but you are not in darkness. Okay? See, kind of set up that darkness and light thing. What he just said was about those in darkness. People were saying there's peace, there's security. But those people are walking in darkness. And... He says, you're not in darkness that it should come upon you suddenly. Let me read it. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. And some people think of this thief in the night thing in a manner of covert. That the Lord's going to come back in a covert way. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that the Lord is going to come back and it's unexpected. It's imminent, but it's unexpected. All right? You're not the type of people who are not expecting this. It's people who walk in darkness that are not expecting the return of the Lord. So he says, you're not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. Verse 5, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So, when is not the point of eschatology. 
instead uh, being ready is the point of eschatology. Being prepared, being in anticipation, waiting on Him. And how do we wait? How do we prepare for Jesus' return? By pursuing godliness and holiness. Notice what he says here in these verses that I just read. First of all, he starts off in verse 5. He says, you are all children of light, children of the day. We're to live as children of light. We're to live as children of the day. We're to live not as those who are in darkness, but as those who are in light. He says, we are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Sober. He repeats that. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. So let me give you five things here. Line out five things that he he points us to and tells us uh, of how we prepare for the return of Jesus. First, keep awake. All right? He says right there, keep awake. Uh, This is watchfulness. Uh, Not in the sense of being awake when the thief comes. Jesus even used that as an analogy at one time. He says, you know, if if the If the man knew when the thief was coming, he would stay awake. That's not what he's saying right here so much. I mean, that's what I would do. If I knew, I mean, if somebody sent me an email or a text and said, hey, is this Rick Dees? Sure, this is Rick Dees. Hey, we're going to rob you tonight. Guess what? (laughs) I'm ready for that one. All right? We're going to rob you tonight. So, okay, bring it. Um, So anyway, but it's it's watchfulness you know it's not stay awake uh in, in so because the thief is coming it's stay awake and be watchful knowing that his return is imminent but that it's unpredictable we don't know when. we live it's living in a way being so being being awake being aware, living in a way that we understand this is not all there is. So one of the things that comes out of this thought of being awake is just knowing that that the things of this world are going to pass away, like Peter said, like Paul is saying. Things of this world, they're going to pass away. And what we have a tendency of doing is overvaluing things that will not last. <laughs> we overvalue things that will not last. Our possessions, all of our things. Be aware. Don't live. To gain things. Live to glorify God. That's how we should live. That's the watchfulness that there is. I'm going to watch my life to make certain that idolatry does not take over. Being watchful. Live in a watchful way. There's a psalm that tells us 
put away and don't look at worthless things. You know, back when Gina and I moved about three years ago, we had a lot of stuff. And at the moment, we had plywood and uh, decking for the floor and sheetrock leaned up against the kitchen wall. So most of our stuff wasn't going to fit in the house. So we rented a couple of storage facilities. In a matter of weeks, someone cut the lock off of one of them and stole some of our stuff out of there. One of those things was a chest, uh, a pine chest that was hand-built by my grandfather. Uh, and, and I was just, when I realized that was gone, it just kind of hit me. Man. I mean, that was a prize, man. That was a, a treasure. But do y'all know I have lived just fine without that box? And I prayed for the person who took that box. When we were moving, that box was one of the last things that left, and that poor box received everything that was worthless that you could throw in there. But I think, I think that I threw a Bible in there, so I sure hope they got that thing out. Man, that thing was a treasure to me. But I also have a lamp that my grandfather built, and I have this pulpit that my grandfather built, and I have all of these different things. But it's not about those things. I wasn't so attached to that that I just continued to mourn it. I let it go because it's going to pass away anyway. That thing was going to burn up. Don't cling to things in this world. So we should keep awake. If we're going to be ready, we're prepared. Keep awake. Second. Be sober. He says it there twice. Uh, He says, let us, uh, verse 6, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. And then he says in verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. The, The word sober here is speaking of having sound judgment uh, or being self controlled. All right? Being able to control ourselves. If you have a mindset that this world is all there is, you will be trying to snatch up everything that you can. Be sober. If your life is devoted to uh, completing your bucket list, anybody have a bucket list? You know, I want to go here, I want to go there, I want to do this, you know? Some people have on their bucket list that they want to jump out of an airplane with a parachute on their back. I do not understand you. Okay. The problem with having the type of mindset that I want to live in this way kind of goes with being awake, and obviously they are interconnected, is that if you devote your life to completing your bucket list rather than sharing the gospel or sobering the broken and hungry. Your life is demonstrating more that you're self-centered 
rather than Christ-centered. Because that's what he did. He came for the broken and the weary and the sick and the lame and the unrighteous that we might have eternal life. Basically, being sober or having sound judgment is being someone who instead of consuming life, produce life in the form of godliness which this world desperately needs. Instead of being consumers, be producers of good things, good works that God laid out and planned for us from before the foundation of the world. So we are to live with sound judgment. We're to live uh, serving others. We're to live understanding that there's a way that the world lives and then there's a way that those who are in Christ live. And we're to live separate from the ways and the thinking of the world. We don't do that so much because we will ourselves to do it as much as we do it because we have been changed and transformed on the inside by the living God who has saved us and redeemed us. So be sober. Live in sound judgment. In verse 8 he says this, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Why does he say that? Look what it says. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love. That makes the point that I just made. You're living this way. You're living in an awakened state. You're living in a good judgment state in way because you have put on the breastplate of faith and love. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love. So how are we to live? We're to live by faith. We're to live our lives out by faith. We're to guard our heart and our mind through faith in Jesus Christ by means of the word of God. In other words, we don't allow calamity in this world to shake our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't do that. I, I can't help but think of what Job said when everything was gone. His family, his possessions. He was a wealthy man. It was all gone. And he said, though he slay me, I will trust him. Man, that's the heart and mind of one who has come to know the righteousness of the living God and say, nothing that I had and have lost is worth me forsaking the living God who has loved me and given me eternal life. Nothing can harm you if you are in Jesus, 
You know, when I think of that, I say that. Nothing can harm you if you are in Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get hurt or you won't get sick. Obviously, you'll know that. I mean, I got a bobo on the side of my head from what I did this past week. I didn't know it till I shaved my head this morning, but uh, it's there now. I got one on my arm right here. But let me tell you something. Those who hate Jesus Christ, those who despise you because of your faithfulness to Him, those who ridicule the people who believe in Jesus Christ, all they can do is kill you. That's all they can do. What, what, we, what we need to understand is, is we live by faith. I want you to know if our hope and our faith is in Jesus Christ, we are secure for eternity, forever and ever and ever. And Paul is letting them know, live this way. Live faithfully. Live by faith. Things will not always look good in your life. But live by faith in the living God. Keep your eyes on Jesus and his promises. He will fulfill each and every one of them. Isn't that great to know? Isn't it good to know as I read through here that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life? I know that to be true. Death does not take that away from me. So he's saying, this is how you're prepared for Jesus to return. Live by faith. How often should I be doing that? All the time, every day, every moment, always trusting in him. Live by faith. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love. Love. And that's the command Jesus gave over and over again to the disciples. And in the writings of the apostles and the disciples, uh, when they were preaching uh, in, in the book of Acts or the writing of Paul, the writing of Peter and John, man, they repeat that command over and over and over again. Love one another. Love one another. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to love one another. Man, this should be just a wonderful time together. I know uh, many of you get together during the week, you know. Maybe you have dinner together. Maybe you meet at the park or, or something like that. But you, you have opportunity to fellowship with one another and to love one another and show love for one another. And I tell you right now, our congregation is in such a way that it's just obvious that we like, not only do we like each other, we love one another. On the night that Jesus was arrested and taken to trial, he looked at the disciples and he told them again. He reminded them, have love for one another. Love each other. So we live in a way where we're aware, awake, of what's going on in our world around us and we maintain the distinction of being believers we live as those who are sober in their mind we have sound judgment 
and we live self-controlled lives. We live by faith and we live in love and we live in hope. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You may remember Paul wrote about this to the Ephesians too, using the armor of God, if you will, to put on the full armor of God. And here he's bringing out uh, a couple of pieces for us to see and to look at uh, and to uh, be defensed, uh, have a defense, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the breastplate of faith, uh, the helmet of salvation. Keep knowing you are saved. Live in hope. Man, I am hopeful, all right? Aren't y'all hopeful of things? Aren't y'all hopeful that I'll finish this up pretty soon? Aren't y'all hopeful that he's not going to say in one more thing? I hope I have enough time to get the house painted this week. Finished. Painted this week. I got one more side. I hope I get to make some of the visits that I have planned this week. I hope we get just enough rain, but not too much rain. Too much rain means I can't get out. All right? The thing about all that hope that I just threw out is that I don't know that that's going to work out. I don't know that that's going to actually happen. You see, the hope that he's talking about, the hope of salvation, is absolutely certain. And I know it will be. Don't you? Having put your faith in Christ, don't you know that your hope that you have of eternal life is a reality that will take place one day fully and completely? And so we live in hope. We're not just optimistic about it. We know that it's true. Why? Because God has promised it. And we can trust God's promises. Our hope is not built on something so shaky as a prognostication of the way I hope that it will be. But our hope is built on the words of the living God who has said, you are my children and I will be with you and you will be with me forever. Live in hope. What he says right after that leads to our third thing, a designed outcome for believers. Look what he says in verse 9. For, you all know that, that word, we, we can kind of use this word with that word. Let me just read what he says. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Because God has destined us for wrath. I can say because, because that for is saying, let me explain further. Because God has not destined us for wrath. Romans chapter 8, what does it start out with? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? All right. 
All right, about six of y'all are there, okay? All right, but if you're in Christ, no condemnation, all right? No judgment. How about another word? No wrath. He has not destined us for wrath. We are children of God, all right? He's not going to destroy us. He's not going to punish us. What's he going to do? He's going to redeem us completely and fully bodily in his presence forever and ever and ever for god has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ and you see that to obtain salvation and looking out there man we still have salvation to gain we have it right now okay Having believed on Jesus Christ, having repented of our sins, we have salvation. But one day, that salvation will be complete in glorification. To obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why through Him? He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live for Him. Now the awake and asleep there... It's talking about alive or dead, all right? Whether we're still alive on this earth, going back to verses 13 through uh, verses 18 of chapter 4, whether we're alive on this earth when he returns, whether we're dead in the ground when he returns, we will live with him who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that's glorious. Man, that's good news. I love that because here in this world, what Jesus say? In this world, you will, yeah, have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I'm so glad to know that. Man, I just came uh, from seeing a, a, a pine tree that split a house right down the middle. And the woman inside of it felt the limb, the pine needles, brush her face as it fell. Total saw houses with limbs hanging over them and limbs through the roof man all this stuff here it's fragile and it just passes away but I want you to know the promises of Jesus Christ through his blood and through the crucifixion I want you to know those promises they never pass away this truth never goes away and this is a destined outcome for those who are in Jesus Christ, for those who are believers. And we can continue in that hope and walk in that hope. And it's because of that that we can keep our eyes open and be awake and be alert and know that we are living distinctly from the world and in line with the Word of God, walking in sound judgment, living by faith, living in love, living in hope. And we do this because He has redeemed us by the blood of Jesus Christ and those who are redeemed will be glorified those whom he chose he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified that's good news Man, if you're saved, if you've been justified, here's an absolute. You will be glorified. You will be with the Lord forever. 
So it's important for us to be prepared for Christ's coming. The last thing, a definite duty for believers. Look at the last thing he says. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's what I've tried to do today. I've tried to make this encouraging and upbuilding for you. I hope that's what's happening, but I want you to encourage each other. I want you to remember when terrible things happen, when things you never thought you would see in your lifetime occur. Encourage one another. The Lord, He's coming. He's coming. That's good news. The Lord is coming. When? You have a date? No, I don't have a date. The date's not important. The fact that He's coming is important. It's imminent. It always has been. And we're to encourage one another with these words. We're to encourage one another and build one another up because in this world you will have trouble. And we need encouragement. Don't we? Don't you need someone to encourage you now? Not to tell you how great you are, okay? Somewhere in, in the 20th century, we shifted to that, to this importance of how you encourage someone is tell them how great they are. Well, folks, I want you to know, you encourage someone by telling them how great Christ is, you know, who has redeemed them. And who has redeemed them forever and ever and ever. Now certainly we should encourage one another when we see the love of Christ in one another. But folks, let's, right here the encouragement is this is the day of the Lord. Be on the right side of the day of the Lord. You know, one of the big phrases going around today is be on the right side of history. The right side of history is to uh, be go along with the, uh, all the, the the shift of morality that has happened today and go along with that. Well, in that case, I'm on the wrong side of history, but I want you to know I'm on the right side of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, the, the, the side that is light and not darkness. Be on the side that is light and not darkness. Live in the light of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying. Encourage one another from the light, not from darkness. Encourage one another and love one another. Be the body of Christ to one another and make known the gospel of Christ to a world that is dark and dying. Let them know that God loves them. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank